Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, or friends beyond the binary, and all my patron peeps, what's up? Is that too much? Let me know. I just have such enthusiasm for you. Thanks. And here we go. Hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you into sleep. What we do is a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What we're going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's uh, thoughts, feelings, uh, physical sensations, uh, time, you know, time. Oh, boy. I mean, time, man. What a, well, you know, what the heck? Uh, no offense, time. Yeah, but see what's become of me, you know what I'm saying? Uh, what, 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 anything that's keeping you awake, I'd like to take your mind off that. I'd like to distract you. What I'm going to do uh, to create a safe place is hopefully earn your trust and make you feel welcome and secure here. And I'm going to do that by sending my voice across the deep dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, wings of pointlessness, meanderware which are undergarments uh, that enhance my ability to go off-topic. They have nanofabric, uh, microfibers, uh, magnets, uh, whatever those magnets are that start with the N, copper, brass, uh, silver. uh, They have both. They're antimicrobial and... uh, uh, whatever the other one is, it's good, like a probiotic. Uh, it's a paradox. Meander rare. It's like wearing a paradox. Uh, I didn't even realize, like, uh, there could be a pun, funny pun in there, but I'm not that smart to say. Uh, but it is. Uh, but not my paradox. Maybe something. Not like a paradoxers, which is just one pant. pant. Uh, like many comedians have done that. Like, it's not a pair. What the heck is a pair of pants? It's one pant. Uh, anyway, where was I? Oh, so if you're new here, uh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to make you, like, I'm going to try to put you asleep, uh, or actually be here while you fall asleep. Uh, if you're new, uh, structure show first, uh, six minutes or business. It's a sleep podcast. we got to do that up front. Uh, then, uh, there's an intro, which we're into now. Usually they're around 12 minutes of me, you know, doing stuff like that. He's talking about me- meanderware. Then experiencing some pun confusion and like uh, kind of setting the mood. Some people fall asleep during the intros. Some people, you know, floss and they buff and they uh, maybe use like here's the thing that's on my to do list uh, this foam rolling. I don't know if I've ever talked about that in the intro, but you could like uh, that's a good habit I hear. And uh, so start foam rolling. Start your foam rolling today with Sleep With Me. The only podcast approved for, for, by foam rollers, uh, by people with foam rolling on their to-do list everywhere in my apartment. Sleep with me. The podcast that loves saying foam rolling. But so, okay, so first four minutes, six minutes are business. Then there's a 12-minute intro. Then there, we'll talk about, uh, like, uh, after the glass slipper episodic series and... We'll have some thank yous at the end. Uh, that's the structure of the show. And if, if oh, uh, let's see. So, but you don't feel, here's the thing. It's a podcast you don't really need to listen to. You could just barely listen or you could kind of listen. Like, here's the thing. If you're going to be foam rolling, you need some kind of distraction. Why don't you start the podcast then and then get in bed then maybe do a little stuff and then fall asleep and make it a part of your bedtime ritual uh, if you like, that's uh, like, but, uh, you don't need to listen to me. Like, that's a sweet thing. It's like, okay, wait, I got a bedtime ritual that I don't get to do. I don't have to listen to you though. Right. So you don't really need to listen to me, even though it's a podcast. You also don't need to fall asleep. I'll be here for about an hour. I'm going to be your companion. Uh, and actually I'll be talking while you fall asleep is really the podcast takes your mind off stuff while you drift off into dreamland. I can be at your side and escort you across the threshold from wake to sleep, uh, whatever you wish. 
So it's podcast. You don't need to listen to it, uh, but you're under no pressure to fall asleep. I'll be here the whole time. There's plenty of listeners uh, that either listen, you know, when they're stressed during the day or they can't fall asleep. And I'm there for them all the way to the end of the show. I care about every single listener, but I put a whole lot of extra effort in uh, to make sure I'm present as I'm recording this all the way to the end of the show. So I can keep you company, whether you fall asleep in five minutes or it takes you four hours, I'm here for you. Now, if you're new, uh, it might take a couple of times for me to earn your trust. Uh, like, uh, uh, So I hope I can. Uh, so this foam rolling thing, I don't know if anybody's heard about it, but it, like, it's been popular for at least 10 years, uh, if not uh, earlier. And I've never dug into the... Um, like I, I've only do, like gone to the impressions like maybe 10 years ago, maybe it was a little longer than that. I joined a gym and um, we got a, a super, this gym was running. The, it was a really good gym and it had a super discount for educators. And so it got a great discount and it was a great gym. And every once in a while I try one of these classes and like, it seemed like they were always like, man, this foam rolling, they never said the cat's pajamas. I don't even know if that's terms ever. I think they could get you banned from a gym or at least like people would probably kick sand in my face. If I said, this gym is the cat's pajamas, they'd say, I'm sorry, this isn't that, this isn't the kind of gym where people talk about cat's pajamas. And I'd say, really, are you sure about that? Because, uh, like cat's pajamas are pretty cool. Like uh, that's why they say this place is the cat's pajamas. Have you been on the internet? Like 80% of it is cats. Uh, and if a cat would ever put on pajamas, like think about that, Mr. Jim, Jim, Jimster. If a cat would, like, first of all, it would, how good would pajamas have to be for a cat to put them on? They would have to be unbelievable. I didn't mean to dissect this saying right in here, but uh, the fact of the matter is there could be no clearer argument uh, in the case of uh, people versus cat's pajamas. Uh, I'm speaking on behalf of cat's pajamas because uh, if a cat, like there would be those pajamas, who wouldn't buy them? You see, wait a second, your, your cat put on pajamas willingly. Not only did my cat put on cat pajamas, these pajamas, Nana's cat, cat put on the pajamas, Aunt B's cat put on pajamas, just this brand, uh, uh, which is only sold by uh, Sleep With Me podcast. And, you know, it's like a, a subsidiary of Musky Poo Industries now. I mean, I think that must be the thing. Like, uh, I never thought about it. I'm sorry. Sometimes I get into these things where I just am like, how did I not realize that? Uh, but if you could get a cat into pajamas, Mr. Jim, uh, the only pajamas a cat's going to be putting on are the best, uh, at least for a cat. And so henceforth there too, uh, I can say cat's pajamas in a gym because it's like the most sensible phrase that's ever been uttered anywhere on earth. Uh, uh, I don't even think it's a metaphor. It's just a dream. Oh, wait a second. Hold on. Cat's pajamas institutes calling. Oh, you're one person calling from, uh, yeah, like, I hope you do invent those cat's pajamas. Uh, also, I own 90% of your company now. Sure. Would, 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 uh, can I get that at Costco? I'll send it to you. How much cat food? Count it. I'm, I'm sending it. Yeah, just keep working. Have you tried, um, uh, have you ever listened to my ingredients for meanderwear? Can you try putting that in cat's pajamas? Maybe meanderwear and cat's pajamas are the same thing. Um, okay. Cause well, they'd have to be, these cats pajamas would have to be so good that every cat would want them. I mean, within a night, you know, the majority of the cat pajama market, uh, but also non-pajama cats where they say like when they're gathered, you know, the cats in the cartoons, when they're on the fence at the, in the garbage cans, uh, they say, well, Ralph, uh, I know you don't wear pajamas, but if you, you know, if you tried these on, uh, you know that podcast guy, he, he says cat's pajamas at the gym all the time now. No one bugs him because these pajamas are so comfy. 
and they say, really? You never thought about wearing pajamas because, you know, I'm a cat. One, two, you know, the whole idea of a human putting anything on me irritates me. Three, I have this lovely natural coat. I, I just figured no reason to supplement it. I figure it's got the perfect breathability. But you're telling me it's better than, oh, but I would, would you think I'd be wearing these cat's pajamas if they weren't the best thing? They're the cat's pajamas, these cat's pajamas. Yeah, wow. I can't, I, I won't be able to stop thinking about it. I may cancel the podcast. They say, what happened to Scoots? Well, he's trying to invent cat's pajamas, uh. Remember, actually, like, uh, uh, Charlie tried the cat kitten mittens, right? I can't remember, uh, what happened in that episode, but, uh, that's probably pretty complimentary. I never thought about that, but uh, so maybe they already did all this material. I just wasted it, uh, but I, I, I don't know if they did because, uh, it's to me, it makes perfect sense. Uh, is there another, maybe I got to get Helen Z on the phone about this, uh, is this one of these things that this is this is the worst when you do it as a podcast and you record it like something that was obvious to everyone else and they say, of course, Scoots, uh, yeah, but or maybe it's like a, some historical thing and say, oh no, actually in 1927, uh, the reason cats, you know, it was uh, whatever some superstar. I uh, said, wow, that's the cat's pajamas, uh, and that's why I was just a, like. Uh, we never thought no one in the right mind would ever think about putting pajamas on a cat unless they've tried one. You try you try to put pajamas on a cat once, and actually, usually the blood is so strong it creates an intergenerational thing. So you don't even try. Like no one in that, that family lineage will even try to pajama a cat for uh, you know four or five generations again. And they say, so you're taking. You don't have any money, but you're taking you take you take it. You're quitting the podcast to invent uh, cat's pajamas. No, 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 wrong. I'm, I'm like I'm gonna perfect the cat's pajamas. No, strike that. I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna join a gym tomorrow because uh, I was gonna start foam rolling, but I guess now I'm gonna start joining a gym and just saying cat's pajamas and seeing what happens. Uh, because they think that that'd be worth, that's worth a million dollars to me, except after I do it once, uh, as I'm pumping iron, I say, Whoa, cat, man, that workout was the cat's pajamas. Uh, and then I'll kiss my bicep and say, uh, right, Jim dude, uh, oof, you look like the cat's pajamas with that, uh, those muscles there. So anyway, if you're new here, here's the thing that, that was my, to a lot of people that might've been total nonsense, uh, but I can guarantee almost you weren't like, once you start thinking about cat's pajamas, you can't stop. Uh, but it's not super interesting if you realize, okay, yeah, Scoots, you talked about it. I, you're still interested in it. I've lost interest. Uh, I think I might go to sleep. Right. So. I, I over, like, uh, so I took your mind off stuff. Uh, so give the show a few tries if you're new. It, it doesn't work uh, for everybody right away. Like 90% of email, like, uh, the reviews uh, say, yeah, skeptical, I gave it a few tries. Started helping me out. The only reason I make the show is to help you out, help you fall asleep. So I hope it works for you uh, because I believe you deserve a good night's sleep. And I know how hard it is because uh, uh, I don't sleep good. And... Uh, yeah, so I'm glad you're here, and I really hope in a real year and I can help you fall asleep. Thanks for coming by. Okay, hey everybody, welcome to another episode of After the Glasses Slipper. Our tale of uh, what happened to, to well, hmm, it's a, uh, did I, what did I, did I just say episodic or serial? I don't know, I, I blanked out there in the last four seconds. Uh, like, <laughs> got a distracted brain, would you believe that, uh? So, welcome to our uh, episodic modular series, uh, like After the Glass Slipper. Now, if you're new, uh, there's a lot of questions to answer, (laughs) like in this brief intro. Brief, uh, soothing, lulling intro as your pillow gets more and more comfortable with each confusing step I take. Uh, uh, What episodically modular means is there's a way for me... It, it episodic means each episode you could kind of listen to in any order and I'll take like a bunch of time to kind of fill you in 
like, because uh, it's a bit, but it is a bedtime story. And so you can listen to it in any order. So there's no pressure there if you're saying, well, Scoots, uh, never heard of this Cinderella before or her stepmother. I don't have any f- experience in fairy god parenting. Don't worry, I got you covered. In fact, there's no pressure. You you don't you like uh, you you neither need to leave your opinions of any of those subjects at home or have opinions. Uh, either way, it doesn't matter. Be interesting though. It may start if if like I never thought about that. But if you do have opinions about those things, uh, especially like a method methodology of fairy god parenting, I might be interested. Uh, don't know if I have time for that, but it like, but so, okay, where was it? Episodically modular just means you can listen to it in any order. There's the, the TLDR version. Holy macaroni. Uh, but they are related. I do, like, I don't know if, the, I think the episodic, episodic part also means like, uh, man, they don't have any notes in front of me. And, okay, so that's episode. So it's called After the Glass Separate. It's originally, this is season three. If you could tell, this is our first uh, episodically modular series. <laughs> Not our first episodic series, but uh, uh, the series After the Glass Sipper follows After the Glass uh, Sip, Sip, Sipper. That's a different podcast. Uh, that was uh, like the, the rise and fall of the, the theme park and the glass uh, sipper. Uh, that was another failed business of mine. I said, well, we're using these plastic sippers for at a theme park. Use glass. It's a new thing. Didn't work at the theme park. So would you believe that, uh, glass, uh, drinking vessels, uh, in fact, it worked in negatively for me. Okay. So after the glass, a slipper follows, um, what happened to Cinderella after the glass slipper stuff, she became princess. She became queen. She became the ruler she ruled as the ruler. She also had such a big heart that eventually she forgave her stepmother, saw what lied dormant in her the leadership skills that lay dormant in her uh, stepmother, let her stepmother use those leadership skills to varying levels of success and continued to rule in, in a fair and kind way. And that led to her stepmother, whose name happens to be Agatha, uh, becoming a heroine and uh, making not the ultimate sacrifice, but a pretty big one. She sacrificed her human corporal body or just her corporal body. (laughs) I think I've made jokes about that before. Uh, Like... uh, Love to like I love Tim Curry. He'll just say, "Well, I'm corporal. I'm not Mister Body now. I'm Corporal Body, reporting for duty, Corporal Body." Uh, okay, go dust this stuff. Thank you, Corporal Body. I'm, I'm gonna. Okay, so she sacrificed her Corporal Body for her humanity, her consciousness, her personality became a pit of lentils. P I T of lentils. Uh, the things, the legumes. And basically was transformed from a human woman into a pit, a, a human consciousness lay laden, maybe, I don't know, like as a pit, pit of lentils, more like a swimming pool uh, full of partially cooked lentils. Though if you're more comfortable with them being dried, that's fine with her and me. They could have become re- reconstituted, whatever. She's, it's like a swimming pool of lentils that can take on, kind of like nanobots. I think I tried to describe it like that before. She could take on different forms. She can point. Uh, she can move. But she still has, you know, all of the ups and downs of being a human that is a pit of lentils. Though you wouldn't know it with her personality because she's a teacher. She te- she teaches a class, co-teaches it with a, a fairy god person named Shelly. And they're teaching, speaking of reconstitution, they're teaching a class on, uh, de- like, uh, what happens when, uh, two separate peoples are kind of, kind of, like, put together, uh, like, what myths are being lost uh, from the oral tradition of the fairy people. So that's been something they've been working, that's what the class was about. And that's what these episodic modular series are. Just uh, each one is one class, except for the last two were related. So you do, you can say gotcha if you want. You did catch catch me. I think that's it. Um, 
uh, any questions, please forward them to, uh, to, to please forward them to outer space. Uh, they'll be, they'll, they'll eventually be answered maybe by this tale. If you catch a spoiler alert and, or then maybe that's more foreshadowing, <laughs> foreshadowing. You're going to have quite like, you probably already have questions. They could like, uh, Anyway, I'm glad you're here. As they say in the podcast intro, I hope I can help you fall asleep. I was just trying to catch you up and wait for someone who's late as usual because I guess I don't pay for their electricity and their fancy Tesla. Are you ready to play Munchkin? Oh, my friend, I'm so ready. Now, last time you're okay that I beat you last time in Munchkin. Yeah, this is Antonio Banderas. Every week we like play a game of Munchkin. Uh, Steve Steve Jackson Games, is that who makes it, uh, Antonio? My friend, why don't you create a URL, and then maybe you could uh, link to it at sleepwithmepodcast.com slash munchkin. Well, that'd be great if I had any clue how to spell munchkin. I guess you could read it off the box. Uh, okay, so anyway, you got to re- introduce the series. As the ladies, as, as the girls... Uh, Ladies is the gentlemen, the boys is the girls, the friends behind the binary, the lovers of games and munchkins everywhere. It's time for another episode of After is the Glass Slipper. Yeah. Wow, that was great. Thanks, Antonio Banderas, everybody. Oh, hello, children and babies, my little man lying in bed as I return to the chamber that once was my bedroom with my, you know, my private bedroom with my beau, a man of letters, a letter, a letter who became a man, but he was still the letter. Uh, He's my letter man lying there in bed sleeping. And then my room became host to Cinderella's new baby. And then eventually they knocked down the walls. They said, well, if we're already going to expand a chamber so a woman can move about as a pit of lentils, uh, uh, I guess the flowing of my lentils, the vo- the sound of vibrating lentils Im- imitating the vocal cords of a human being, yeah, the fact that that vibrates the whole room with the love I feel for all of you babies resting and really resting and not climbing up on your elbows, even though that's good exercise when it is time for you to play, little baby. Uh, I want to tell you about my day here in class, baby. So rest in, my little man, as I get close next to you in bed here. And I feel the, the, the sun coming through the window because it is nap time. And I hear they have a giant, uh, whatever, horn-like thing to echo my voice down to the village for all the sleeping babies and the people there. What a day it was for Shelley today in class. She recounted her own myth, uh, not, not her backstory, a myth that she loved and really, a myth to bring our class to full circle. You know, we'll have the wrap-up next week, but oh, Shelley. Now, we we, were ha- we had a professional uh, agreement. Uh, don't, like, the professionally, don't talk to me outside of class. Uh, don't tr- Well, t- t- try my patience. T- test me. We did test each other. I think I was talking, and... Uh, Eventually, we did, uh, so, like, take our office and, you know, put the tape down the middle of it like they do in so many of those acting performances. And, uh, but we agreed to be agreeable, Shelley and I, uh, and to, to give ourselves a space of disagreeability from time to time. We had disagreeability time, and that's when we did, I did the tape down the office. So it was actually fun. The students came in and observed uh, but today was the day Shelley really shone, and she took this class, oh, so full circle. And she said, I want to talk about a, a myth uh, related to a myth that a lot of the humans tell in one another. And depending on where you were uh, grown and where you heard your first myths, uh, the myth goes a little bit differently. And she said, now, it should be easy for everyone to remember because it's pretty popular, the end of the myth. And she said, the beginning isn't super important. 
And Shelly said the also the end, I think she said something depending on the uh, intentions of the patriarchy. And I said, oh, yes, uh, they, the, they always have their intentions and how they spin the myth, which is true. So Shelly's a brilliant, brilliant teacher. But she told the, the more, the older version, I believe, uh, uh, the pre, pre whatever this calendar that we have now. So she said it goes a little, so it's a little bit general because I don't want to break it out. But basically, once upon a time, there was like a human, oh, and uh, what was his name? Oh, boy. Oh, Owen Lotz, and he was uh, part God, part human, always the way Owen Lotz was. And he was also the greatest, he had been given a divine oboe from his grandmother. And uh, you would think, why wouldn't you give him a, like a liar or, uh, you know, something he could wear? But he had an oboe, had a strap. Uh, and also when people, when he went to a country that wasn't familiar with the oboe, and they hadn't seen him play the oboe. They said, well, what is that thing? And what kind of strange weapon is that? Uh, so very useful, I guess. Uh, and he could play the oboe like no, because of course he was had an extra advantage as not being 100% human. Uh, he could play the oboe and cover all the emotions. Oh, the oboe playing, he could play own lots. And, uh, he was also an adventurer, so he had many, many adventures. And once upon a time, as it goes, he had a, he had a concluded an adventure. He had fallen in love. And he said to this other, I, I, I don't know if it was, a, I, I don't know the details, but he said, oh, one day, today we will be wed. They had the wedding day. And they prepared for the wedding ceremony. And as his bride-to-be, hint, 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 uh, prepared to head to the ceremony right on the way. She got interrupted by someone that said, Hey, uh, I think you should come down, uh, to the metaphorical and real, the metaphorical place where the clam King and Benella live, uh, deep beneath the sea. But even below there, there's a place, you know, that's dry where like they call it the big farm in the sea. And she said, well, I'd prefer to get married. And they said, well, it's not an optional uh, offer. And so off she went to, to live in the big farm beneath the sea. And I did not know, I guess I did not always pay attention, but Clam King and Benella, uh, after Clam King and Benella worked out their thing, at the beginning of this uh, class, as you may, that we learned, uh, Clam King became the keeper of the big farm beneath the sea and all of the residents there. And so Old Knots was sitting, waiting, and he said, well, have I, what has happened? Is this a, ha like, uh, is it, have I had a have a, sh a sham? And so someone said, I'm sorry, sir, what are you referring to? And he went, and then he heard the messages uh, from the birds and the crickets. They said, well, she went to go see the big farm under the sea, Old Knots. And Onlot said, oh, no, no, not my bow under the sea. And he played the oboe in a mournful oboe in tune. And the crickets weeped and the, 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 the bunnies weeped and the birds weeped and the people at the wedding weeped too because he said, no more buffet either. And someone gave him the bright idea to just go down to the big farm and get her and bring her back uh, and he said, maybe I just will. And there's a few instruments that go good with the sea, like an oboe, because this was a magical oboe. And so Olnots could breathe under the sea as long as he played in this mournful tune on the oboe. And deep beneath the sea went, and uh, the, sea, the sea worms, they were touched by it, and all the creatures, uh, you know, they lit the way, the ones that said, well, we don't, they said, oh, this turn, let us light the way to, to, to pass the deep dark part to the big farm beneath the sea. And so uh, Onlots was able to cross below to the deepest part of the sea, uh, to the kingdom of the Clam King, and the Clam King and Benella sat and listened to this oboe playing. And Olnats couldn't stop oboe playing because Olnats was breathing through the oboe. 
but they were so touched. Uh, the Clam King said, well, these are rules. You know, this is, uh, the, 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 I don't know if you've heard the song. Uh, do, do, you, do you take requests? Can you play Circle of Life? Uh, and Omelots didn't know that song, but played a song that summed it up the same way. And Clam King said, you understand what the circle of life is. I just can't break the circle of life. But, but for this one time, I will. But I'll tell you what, Omelots, you swim out of the sea and your bride-to-be will swim right behind you. But you must trust me because you know, like, uh, you must trust in me that I'm breaking the rules just for you. Uh, and I'll only, a strange caveat, uh, and Shelley said, this is how the myth, the end of the myth always goes. Do you like, uh, you're not, you cannot look back on lots. You have to swim out of the sea, trusting she is swimming behind you. She will be, uh, but you cannot look back and break to the trust. Uh, some sort of test, I, I guess, uh, or just a pain in the butt. That's what I said. Shelley, this sounds like a pain in the butt. Uh, and the children laughed, but I said, and Shelley shrugged. She said, well... She said, it is. It's a setup, I think, for failure uh, or a test for perfection. But so, of course, uh, hint, hint, hint. Uh, in now, this Omelot, despite being an adventurer and uh, a great oboe player, Omelot's was pretty into Omelot's. Uh, so Omelot's was just thinking, oh, I can't wait to get back and kiss my little bridey poo on the cheek. I can't wait to see her dance to my music. I can't wait to see her. You know, we'll have the good times we share. And uh, all night said, well, I, I hope she's really behind me because I can't stop anticipating all of this good stuff I'm going to get. Uh, and, of course, Onlatz looked back and he saw her behind him. him. And, of course, uh, the Clam King had to keep it like the word. So the circle of life uh, made her dissipate into the sea and vanish. And Shelley said there's another version where it's the wife of a king and the human, and she looks back, uh, like, and it's the same thing. And Shelley did say, it's a, it's a setup and a pain in the butt. And I said, exactly. And the children kept laughing. And they said, I love that. We can say butt, and it'll make you laugh. Uh, and we don't have to use other words. And then the kid said, I said, no, Marco, no, do not say that word. Uh, but so then Onlots, this is the part Shelley started. This is the, her tale. So Onlots, like, uh, that's usually where it stops. Then Onlots just goes on living Onlots' own life. Uh, and Shelley said, uh, but there's an important part that's missed out because uh, it doesn't involve the flashiness of Onlots. And uh, it's an essential uh, fairy myth. I said, is it vestigial? And uh, or does that mean when you have a tale of where your butt's supposed to be? And then I said, I'm sorry, I had to fit in another butt. Uh, and uh, uh, Shelley said, it may be archetypal. And I said, okay, I'll go with that. Uh, go ahead, Shelley. Sorry for interrupting you. But Shelley said that, uh, okay, oh, so Onlots just went off on Onlots' own world. But in this tale, on Onlots' return, Onlots still lived with his grandmother. Uh, Fossi was her name. And uh, Onlots just went back to Onlots's room and started kicking it uh, in bed and looking at stuff. And uh, Grandmother came and she said, Onlots, is that you? And Onlots said, yeah, what's up, Grandma? And Onlots uh, said, uh, uh, my, my, my oboe is like in need of some polish, Grandma. Do you got any polish for my oboe? And... The grandmother gave him a look, and on her face, it was clear the message was W-T-F. And she said that to him, uh, and ask your parents what that means. Uh, but she said, Omelots, uh, I thought you would be married and wed to your beloved. And Omelots said, yeah. And then she said, and Omelots, I thought your beloved had gone deep beneath the sea and you would go, go down there and negotiate with, uh, on good faith with Clam King uh, to break the cycle of life rules. And Onlot said, yeah. And then uh, 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 Grandmother Fossey said, and I, you know, of course, sent word ahead to, to, to Clam King to bend the rules. Uh, but, you know, 
you don't don't bend you know maybe bend them in a way uh, so she said what happened and uh Oma said i don't know I, I, uh, and she said what happened to Lots? uh and Onlot said, uh, the Clam King said, I couldn't look back until we got to the surface. And I looked back, and then she dissipated and was gone. Uh, because I, like, I was uh, supposed to trust the Clam King. And Grandmother Fossey sighed. And she said, Onlot, so. Uh, and Onlot said, Anyway, Grandma, I'm going to go do some adventuring and some mobile playing. And, uh, I gotta go do some stuff. Uh, do, can you make me some, uh, lunch? And, uh, to say Grandmother Fossey, uh, her, her, her face turned many shades of maroon, we'll say. And she said, Own lots, you are in a timeout, uh, for a very long time. And I'm ta- she took his oboe, broke it over her knee, uh, smooshed it to, to get now she was a goddess uh, i should tell you that uh and she used the mystical energy to make it into a fiddle now what Onlots did not know was grandmother fossey was at a turning point in her life uh, she was the goddess of lost things and for the longest time both humans and gods and goddesses and demigods and demigoddesses uh, they would go to Farsi or they would pray to Farsi or they would uh, you know make tribute to her uh, for she could Farsi you know they'd say and uh, they would ask her oh please help me find this and sometimes it was something uh, like a few a few baby pennies or what's a penny Okay, don't interrupt. You're a baby. How? How? Oh, I was just thinking that in my head. Uh, or a book, or it could be a memento. And sometimes it was exciting, a challenging, and they would be very happy and very pleased. But it always felt a little bit empty to Fossey, and she always felt like she was being the goddess of lost things. Uh, it just didn't fill her up. Uh, it was all a lot of thank yous, and uh, you all were so happy. Uh, thanks for our stuff back. I uh, can't wait. Oh, we lost it again. And, you know, they would know. She could, you know, she could use, do some light smoting uh, for people that were constantly losing things. So she could have her amusements and uh, create learning experiences or what such things. And there were truly thankful people, but she was always unsatisfied. And to be honest, she was over it. Uh, she was over being the goddess of lost things. Uh, she had been it a not long enough time, and clearly Onlots couldn't handle something like that. Uh, so she said, what am I to do? But there was also something in Onlots' story. The same thing Shelley had kind of talked about, it, that, uh, but she wasn't a aiming her ear at uh, Benel and the Clam King for the rules of the gods cannot be understood by anyone or judged by anyone. But Fossey couldn't help but think about how quickly Onlots had just forgotten about his beloved and how she had dissipated and, and uh, she placed a call to the Clam King through whatever the god waterphone and the Clam King, she said, where's it, what, what happened? And the Clam said, I do not know. Uh, you know, it takes, uh, you understand the kind of energy it takes to break the circle of life. Uh, and that was the only way, that was the only way I could manage the energy. So I don't know uh, what happened. I'm sorry, I can't uh, do a refund or anything. And uh, she said, thank you, but it's pulling at me. It's uh, uh, poking at me. Uh that she is not a lost thing. Uh, she's much more than that. And, and again, she focused it on Onlots. Uh, she said, I'm going to set out to find her. And she picked up her fiddle, and she started to walk across the countryside, playing song of, uh, of what it would be, you know, imagining, empathizing, what it would be like to be own lost, own lots beloved, 
lost uh, and forgotten. And so she pinned the tune of uh, being the lost, lost, or the lost and lost again. And sometimes she would cloak it in a little metaphor, like it's a, a children's marble or something. Uh, and as she, she traveled, uh, she felt an energy starting to gather around her and to watch her. And at first she thought it was just the towns she was visiting because the people, it did seem to affect them and make them maybe a little more appreciative and conscientious and mindful of the moment and the things and the relationship with those things and with the people in their lives. Uh, but she also felt something else, and so she headed it deep into the woods uh, to a clearing where she played the song for the creatures of the woods. And she sensed more and more of this energy gathering. And she opened up a vision, uh, you know, to beyond Roy G. Biv, uh, visible visual spectrum, she said. And she said, I could see you. Come, come closer, come closer. And she saw... Some of the lost, uh, the other lost, and she said, "Oh, come around, tell me your tale." And you say, "Well, I'm a bit of bibbity bow, you know." But she, and uh, he said, I, "I so relate to your tale of the lost, uh, then lost again." And uh, I'd like to help you, is what the, these uh, energy beings were saying to her. And she said, oh, well, I could use some help. I'm looking uh, for someone whose name I don't have because I forgot to ask my uh, grandson. Uh, but she was once the beloved of own lots. And, uh, and so they helped her craft a tale because no one knew all these other energy beings. Once lost, now found, and now a gathering a community traveling across the land together, gathering more of the lost, uh, but at the same time visiting human areas. And while the humans could only see far see and hear her song, they could feel the energy. And it was growing and growing. Uh, and it would again remind them, oh, what is this song for? What is this song about? What is this feeling inside me? In the towns, for a time, she would visit, would uh, be more aware. Yeah, but still, she traveled, and she said, well, uh, if I need to travel the whole world, uh, I'll do so until we find her. And they said, maybe she's in the sea. So they walked across the coasts of the world, playing. And again, this is, you say, well, this isn't how time, I say, well, this is a goddess, and this is how time works for her. And travel, and everywhere she went, uh, uh, you know, where there was people, she brought a little bit of calm, and the energy was growing and growing, and more and more of the lost, or just lost uh, pieces of uh, fragments of memories were following her and joining in her chorus, uh, and soon they all felt something pulling at them, and they set out across the Great Plain, Playing their song, and Fosse started to sense that soon uh, she would encounter Onlot's beloved, and Onlot's beloved would be found for the third time. Uh, and deep on this plain, where the earth was cracked with dryness from the sun, uh, covered the plain, covered in uh, the energy of the lost, uh, singing with the deepest of connection, of a heartfelt uh, collaboration with Farsi, they met Onlot's beloved. She said, my name is Carmen, by the way. Thanks for looking for me. And they had a few laughs, and they actually made up some songs that they all sang at Onlot's expense. And it was a lovely moment, and Farsi uh, uh, said, this is nice, uh, but then uh, Carmen saw something in uh, Farsi's face. She said, what is it? And she said, well, it's, uh, it's great we're all together. But she said, I still feel that dissatisfaction and not the 33, 33, 1% dissatisfaction of emptiness. Uh, we have all of this uh, 
We have something special amongst us, but what do we do? And right as she said that, uh, as the fates may have had it, uh, there was a rumbling in the sky. And from the sky came a steam, and then lowering to the plain came a giant pyramid made of some sort of uh, shiny metal towering over the plain. Yeah, bigger than any human. I mean, these were a lot of formerly lost humans anyway. Uh, but it lowered onto the plain and steam came out of it and it shined in the sun, not like gold, but like some sort of thing uh, that you'd say, well, that's like the inside of a, like a very fancy shell. And, uh, you know, Fosse thought of uh, the Clam King, but this didn't feel like it was from... Uh, the earth, uh, and then a door on the giant pyramid opened, and Fosse felt something, uh, and then out of the door emerged a being, much like a human, who came out, uh, carrying a, like a can, uh, which looked like he would have carried drinking water or something, uh, and, and at his side, and they were singing, uh, kind of a welcoming song, saying, wondering song, a curious song, all the lost. And uh, that's what Fosse was singing, a song about being lost. And uh, the being was stunned as it looked on uh, Fosse. Couldn't see any of the other energy beings because uh, this was no god. This was just a, a mortal being, I guess. I don't know. I don't have the details. I don't know if I forgot to ask Shelley that. And uh, the being came down and stood at the, uh, within a, a comfortable distance of Fosse and waited for a song to end. He said, that is wonderful and wonderfully strange, for I am lost. Uh, and Fosse laughed and said, well, aren't we all in some sense? Uh, and uh, the being said, well, I'm really lost. My name's Meoslav. Uh, and... Uh, I'm lost here. I'm travel been traveling in this pyramid, and uh, you don't happen to have any plasma gas, do you? And uh, Fossi said, "No, no, no plasma gas, and no, 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 no gas at all here." As a matter of fact, uh, and uh, Mayoslav was mumbling something about the matter, to his antimatter, something. He said, wow, that was quite a song. So no no plasma gas, because my readout said, charted this unbelievable level of uh, energy, and I knew it must be wrong, uh, because it was something like I've never encountered anywhere in the universe. The power of this energy was spectacular. And what I've been searching for across time and space... Uh, and Fosse said, really, really? And that you're so you're searching the universe for plasma gas? Uh, and Mayoslav said, no, 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 no. The, pier- the, the engines of the pyramid run out. This is an ancient pyramid uh, and uh, also a ship that travels through time and space. Uh, but it runs on plasma gas. Uh, and I forgot to fill it up because I've been so dedicated to my mission. Uh, but we also sprung a leak... Uh, this uh, giant pyramid is a way to collect uh, raw energy and, you know, slightly refined energy. Each level of the pyramid, as you can see, refines and distills the energy a little bit more until it reaches the top there. And uh, Mayoslav pointed up there and Fossi looked and it, it seems like there was something special at the top of the pyramid that you couldn't see, but you could sense uh Mayoslav said, yes, that's where the energy reaches its highest state, uh, ready uh, for its purpose. Uh, and Fossey was curious, of course. Uh, she said, purpose? What is it? So you're traveling time and space, collecting energy, distilling energy, and refining energy for what? Uh, you know, for just stuff or something. I, I hear of people that do that here on Earth. Uh, and uh, Mayoslav said, oh, no, no, I'm just, uh, uh, I'm to deliver it to Stroid. Uh, Stroid has a great, uh, amazing, oh, uh, you're familiar with Stroid? 
And uh, he said, well, what is this destroyed plan on doing with all this energy? Sounds, uh, how much energy are we talking about? And Mesa said, nothing like uh, what I saw in my charts here, but uh, uh, a lot of energy. Uh, Stroyd needs a lot of energy to help. And she said, help what? And, and then uh, Mayoslav got quiet. And he said, ah, you see, out there in space is a god named Stroyd. That is the god I serve. Uh, Stroyd is the god of lost objects in space. And Stroyd is out there with thousands and thousands of rocky eyes watching the universe for lost objects uh, to help them uh, find gravity's pull. And uh, the job involves a lot of waiting, so Stroyd does a lot of watching. And long ago, uh, Stroyd's eyes uh, fell here on this planet, uh, and Stroyd fell in love uh, with the people of this planet, watching them watching their lives, watching millions of lives with millions of eyes, watching their ups and the downs, and all destroyed could ever dream about uh, for thousands of years was helping. Helping, uh, do you know anything about, like, when people, uh, like, uh, like uh, lose something? And Fosse took in a breath, uh, clearly. And she said, yes, I do. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, go on. And Mayosa said, uh, Stroyd's like yearning it to help uh, Stroyd's love of uh, uh, this planet and its people and its creatures and all things. Uh, it had almost blinded Stroyd to the fact that uh, this planet was already in the embrace of a goddess named Atmosphere. And when Stroyd finally... Let his vision fall back one day. Stroyd sensed uh, atmosphere wrapping this planet in her arms, and Stroyd fell in love once again with atmosphere. And through a slow and long and convoluted way of communicating, they began to communicate and further the deepening connection between them. And to see the... Uh, the plight of the humans on this planet to know that it's not uh, God's place to just intervene and interrupt uh, human life, uh, but, but but still wanting to help. And finally, Atmosphere and Stroyd decided that they would find a way to make a covenant, to make a compact, uh, to make a physical embodiment of that help uh, by making a child between the two of them. And they decided that that child would help the earth uh, and the people of the earth. Uh, but they need that, so that's what the energy's for. And as if our Fosse said, "Why, what, you lost me there at the end. Uh, what, what are you planning on doing exactly with the child and the energy things? Uh, and Mayosov said, do you mean short-term or long-term? And Fosse said, just tell me. And they said, well, the child will come here. And as I deliver the energy out to Stroyd, and Stroyd will imbue uh, small lost bodies in space that haven't found gravity's pull, will imbue those bodies with the energy and use the energy to send those towards atmospheres, uh, warm embrace in the gravity of the pull, the pull of gravity at your planet here. And because we've distilled the energy in this ancient magical pyramid from, so this is not my, my construction, by the way. I can't take credit for this pyramid. It is uh, some ancient uh, a device to, uh, to bring energy to higher levels, uh, not of purity in a way, but of purity of intent uh, to, to where the energy only vibrates in a way, willing to help, willing to make the best uh, Fosse was still stunned by all of this and all of the other energy beings. Clearly, they said, what in the heck? Uh, what are the frigging odds? Uh, mach, machina ex deus in some sense or something. I don't know. Uh, uh, or was it synchronicity? 
Oh, was it all the plan? I don't know. Oh, just like, I mean, she had been traveling in the music, so it could have sent a beacon. Also, great uh, sensors on the ship. Uh, if the sensors were correct, even though they were so powerful, the energy, it made Meoselov doubtful. And Flossie said, so the children, the, the, the first child, and then all of these other objects, these lost beings, uh, these lost space objects, uh, they'll return to the Earth to help humans. Uh, and Meoselov said, yes, yes, we, we're thinking, they're thinking about calling the, the God the Stranger or the Traveler, one of the two. And uh, Fossey said, definitely number two. The first one, uh, I, I would toss that out. Uh, and anyway, Mayoslav said, anyway, I'm sorry. I've been talking about myself and my mission, and, you know, I need the plasma gas. Uh, I still have enough uh, uh, maybe to get out of here, but I really could have used it uh, with the leak. Uh, I don't know, do, like, maybe we could, I could try to patch up the leak while I'm here, and then I'll get back to collecting energy. It'll probably take me another two, 3,000 years uh but I didn't hear about you. What, what, I'm sorry. I'm Mayoslav. You are. And she said, I'm Farsi, a goddess of lost things here on Earth. Uh, and uh, Mayoslav said, that's uh, funny, funny stuff. Uh, that's okay. If you don't believe in my mission, it's fine. And she said, I'm a grandmother. Uh, and, uh, she goes, I guess I'm looking back. And uh, she goes, I was trying to right the wrongs of my grandson, Instead of helping him this trip, uh, and she said, he said, grandmother, that's a nice, uh, grandparents are nice, uh, he goes, most of the time, you got a pretty good, uh, something, she goes, yeah, it's a nice image, uh, a perfect grandparent, uh, and, uh, Mayoslav said, maybe, uh, maybe I could talk to atmosphere and, uh, destroyed about, uh, Maybe calling them magical grandparents or something. And Fussy said, nah, no, nah, no. Nah. She goes, you know what's nice are those, uh, the fairies that live in the forest and the sprites. Uh, she goes, what about a fairy godmother? You know, not a grandparent, so then you have a little extra turn. You know, mothered by a goddess uh, and uh, godfather. Fairy godmother and fairy godfather for your creatures. And Miroslav sighed and said, well, I like the idea. I wish uh, circumstances were different. Uh, I didn't lose all the energy. And uh, Fossey said, your, your readout was correct. Uh, we're surrounded by energy. I can fix your ship. I'm sure I could design. I, I still have goddess powers, and I have the power of this uh, magically imbued fiddle. So I can get us across space uh, and then she touched uh, the eyes of Miroslav, uh, Mayoslav, I think uh, is the correct name. But in, then he could see all of the energy beings all around him, the lost and then lost again. And uh, he began to realize, he began to sense the energy within them was already distilled. It was already pure. It was already wanting to help. Uh, and at the top of the pyramid... Uh, Fossey already was at work, uh, playing a fiddle, a, a song of repair. She said, uh, Mayoslav, I want you to meet, uh, my friends. Uh, she said, friends, what do you think about becoming some fairy godparents? Uh, and all the beings, they began to smile, a beaming smile. And that beaming smile echoed out into space, and atmosphere, he felt it, and Stroyd felt it. And they knew that the plan would be set in place. Uh, and Shelley said, the, you, the rest uh, kind of explains itself, doesn't it? And I said, holy moly, Shelley. That was, uh, I said, that is great. Uh, where do I get, where's the pyramid though now? And Shelley said it continues, uh, she goes, it's a metaphor probably, but don't ruin it for the children. She goes, but that's where the energy of the fairy uh, god people comes from. And I said, well, you could use that pyramid right about now, huh? And then I said, oh, Shelley, I'm sorry, it was the wrong time to joke. Uh, and I said, I'm just a human. 
If it wasn't for my co-teacher, Shelly, I would be much... And uh, I said, Shelly, I still need your help. But clearly, uh, clearly I do. And I said, would you like to uh, work with me again? Maybe be my personal... Uh, uh, how do you feel about telling babies stories for Shelly? But that was the end of Shelly's tale, thinking about how the world is in atmospheres embrace and how even the lost and lost again, their energy continues around the universe, out into the lost pieces of space, bringing them back across uh, to be of aid and service. Uh, such a nice thing. All you babies are here in atmospheres embrace and destroys millions of eyes. Sleepily look down on you, sending you comfort and caring. Destroyed watches with empathy and compassion as you head off to sleep. Good night.